All right, let's get started. Before we get started, I just want to make, I don't know if you call it a correction, the guys in my shoe know what I'm talking about, but la- last week at uh, this year, oh, Shalom Aleichem, how are you? Uh, last week at this year, I told a story that uh, I got a call from a very prominent Rosh Hashiva last night objecting to the story. So I just want to note the objection. Uh, last week, I told a story about Rosh Shimon Shkap and how he had a granddaughter who wasn't religious and he, and she had a friend over and the friend, uh, when Rav Shimon walked into the apartment, said Shabbat Shalom to, to Rav Shimon and she stuck out her hand and Rav Shimon shook her hand and said Shabbat Shalom and explained to his granddaughter after how sad it is that the girl doesn't know anything, that she doesn't even know you're not supposed to shake a man's hand, let alone a rabbi's hand, but uh, at least he knows not to embarrass her. So I got a call last night from Rav Kalman Epstein, who's Rosh Shiva in Sharatora and an anical of Rav Shimon Shkot, and he was also the father-in-law of our very own Rabbi Rafal Shmulevitz, uh, and uh, Rav Kalman Epstein is one of the great Rosh Yeshiva in America today, and he, uh, he was very unhappy that that story was told, uh, as it was reported to him. I don't think he was listening to the shir, I think it was reported to him, uh, but he was very unhappy that that story was told. He said you have to realize what the source of the story is. The source of the story is a granddaughter who wasn't religious, who had an agenda, who probably wanted to let the world know that you know uh, the whole world is turning so from my grandfather was the biggest rabbi in the world, and he wasn't so from, and you know she was probably trying to push an agenda. You can't trust uh, these kinds of stories, and you certainly can't paskan halacha based on these kinds of stories. And it's unwise to tell these kinds of stories when you're dealing with uh, shaking a woman's hand, which is something that the Chaznish Paskins is Yaharik Val Yavar. So, uh, so to, just, to just flippantly tell a story like that is not right. So uh, my defense, in my defense, uh, my defense was that every single time Rav Shechter talks about shaking a woman's hand, you know, every time he talks about this issue of Nagiyah B'derech Hiba, Nagiyah B'derech Taiva, he always tells that story. That's how I know that story. He always tells that story. So I follow what my Rebbe does. He always tells that story. I went back and I listened to a shir from Rav Shechter where he told that story and Rav Shechter uh, said that when uh, this granddaughter passed away a number of years ago, they had the, uh, the obituaries in the newspapers, they told this story. Rav Shechter said, I knew this story 50 years before that because uh, Rav Shimon's son who lived in Toronto told me the story. So I knew it from 50 years before that. So he wasn't relying on the non-from granddaughter. I think he was relying on the from son. Who, uh, who also confirmed that story. Be that as it may, I don't think Rav Shachter was paskening based on the story. I think Rav Shachter came to Psak Halacha, and it happens to be a story that fits very nice with his Psak Halacha. I was talking to someone in my shul who is uh, a very close Talmud of Rabbi Abadi Shlita, and uh, Rabbi Abadi is very strict on this issue because he asked the Chazanish personally, and the Chazanish uh, was machmir, like we said before, not like... Uh, um, you know, those poskim who are makel on this issue. And, uh, and this, this guy works in a big law firm, and he told me that he follows Rabbi Abadi on everything. He cannot follow Rabbi Abadi on this. It's just impossible. He, can't, he wouldn't be able to function. So I think there is, uh, it's important to know who your clientele is when dealing with this, uh, with this psak and knowing what's reasonable to explain. You know, Rav always tells us, when you paskana halacha, v'chai behem. You have to make sure you give a psak halacha that people can live with. And if it's something that they're not going to be able to live with, and certainly something that a person's going to feel like, okay, forget about that, forget about sneus, forget about, because I can't do that, and then who knows what other compromises they're going to make in sneus. So a person has to know their target uh, audience. Um, when, uh, when, when dealing with these things. But I just wanted to point out that the family of Shimon uh, did not like that I told that story.
Okay, so now let's let's move on. Uh, three questions for this week, and as usual, you'll tell me which one you want to talk about. The following: I got an email from Rabbi Doctor Jonathan Schwartz from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Good friend of mine. We were in Rav Shechter's here together. Uh, together, he was. Um, you know, one of the like front row guys, one of the better guys in the shear. I was one of the worst guys in the shear, but he's he's very nice to me anyway. And he sent me the following question that came across his desk. It reads as follows: After many months of unemployment, Shloimi found a job at a local bakery. He was very happy working there and thanked Hashem for his lucky break. The bakery was famous for its apple cake and sold dozens of them every Shabbos to its customers. However, when Shlemy stumbled upon the recipe for the apple cake, he realized that there were no apples in the cake whatsoever, only grade B zucchini mixed with some apple flavor. He assumed that if the recipe were known to the customers, they may not buy these cakes. Shlemy felt that by continuing to work at the bakery, he is complicit in the deception, and he asked if he is obligated to quit his job. Okay, Shiloh number one. Shiloh number two. Rabbi Yonasan Hertz of Hillcrest um, was davening in my shul for Milchamarav last night. He teaches in Hafter, so on his way home, he uh, often stops from Milchamarav in my shul. And he told me that he got the following issue. Uh, a man asked him uh, that the, the guy said, he said this is the way he formulated the question. I'm getting hair plugs. I'm getting a hair transplant. Um, when I do that, I'm not going to be able to wear tefillin for four days. So what do you say, Rabbi? I mean, like, he wasn't asking, can I get there? <laughs> is, is it permissible? I'm getting here. It, it happens to be, I'm not going to be able to put tefillin on my head for four days after doing that. What am I supposed to do? Um, so that was Shaila number two. Shaila number three. Uh, what? Uh, so we'll talk. Shaila number three. Um, from a fellow by the name of Ami Younger, he sent me the following email. Someone told me a story. Is he, he lives in Israel and he was uh, visiting America and he was discovering on his trip to North America how everyone has non-Jewish live-in. Not, not everyone. A lot of people have non-Jewish live-in help and all of the interesting things that come along with that. I'm not going to even discuss the first thing that he discovered that some people deal with. Uh, maybe for next week, so I'm not even going to mention it. But the second thing he said, someone told me another story about how their nanny made the challah dough and took out a small ball of dough and wrapped it in tinfoil for them. Meaning the nanny, the non-Jewish help, not only makes the challah, she does hafrash's challah. For, for them. So is that okay that the, uh, that the non-Jewish help does have a challah? Okay, so these are our three shadows. Number one, the apple cake. Number two, the hair plugs. And number three, the hafrashas goy. Uh, any? Number one. One, okay. A lot of people want one. Okay, so let's start with number one. Okay, uh, first of all, I was a little surprised. How is it possible that you sell an apple cake with zucchini? Zucchini and apple don't really taste alike. So I, I my first... What, what do you do? That's what, how, do you, how do you find the materials? I immediately Googled it. So I Googled zucchini apple cake, and dozens of recipes came up to make uh, apple cake. Yeah, you make apple cake? You... No, no, I, I had a Google that I thought was apple. Apple and then you discover it's zucchini, yeah. Zucchini. So, uh, right, okay, so dozens of recipes for apple pie, apple cake, apple, apple everything uh, that's, that doesn't have a single apple, that never saw an apple, that, uh, that's zucchini. So apparently it's not all that uncommon. Um, what are the issues over here? What, what, what do we have to, what, what, where do I open up a Shulchan Aruch to answer my zucchini, apple cake, Shaila? Choshem Mishpah. Choshem Mishpah, good, okay. We narrowed it down, it's uh, to, to Choshem Mishpah. 
Mekachtaus, onaa, right? Meaning, is this a mekachta? A person comes out, I want an apple cake, I don't want a zucchini cake, right? What kind of business is this? You're, I, I'm asking you for something, you're giving me something else. So, is, is, Ah, oh, so to what extent is this? Can you say, well, that, I'm, I'm giving you something just as good. You know how I know it's good? It's our top selling product, and you never complained until you know that it had zucchini in it. So, Gnevis Das is good, another important element to, to discuss over here. Good, I think we've. Uh, and then you have to realize this fellow, uh, Shlaimi, not, it's not Shlaimi's bakery. It's, uh, it's someone else's bakery. It's uh, Shlemy's just an employee. So to what extent is he, is he responsible for anything that goes on in the bakery? Why was he allowed to see the... The recipe? Because he's an employee. I know, but I mean, he's not making it. So like, for him to see and then tell people, like, the point of like, you know, sales, whatever, you like, keep your recipes. Like, Maybe it would be us for him to... Yeah, to it, would be, it should be us for him to tell anybody. Yeah, because... So he thinks he's chayiv tell people. Maybe it should be also for him to tell anybody because uh, you know he's 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 giving away their secrets, their secret recipes. Okay, um, I, I mentioned the Shaila Meshu last week, and uh, someone who works in retail came over to me and said, "I think I might know why Shlaimi had been unemployed for six months." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here, okay. <laughs> so, so let's let's start discussing some of these halachas of uh, of onaa. Um, the sma in Chosh Mishpatim Reishchav Chasivkat and Zayin says that you're not allowed to sell something that has a mum unless you inform the buyer of the mum, even if you're selling it at fair market price. Meaning, you think the buyer thinks he's just getting a good deal. It's like you know, it's the the amazing savings rule. Uh, if, if you know why you're getting it for so cheap, then it could very often be a good deal. If you don't yet understand why you're getting it for so cheap, you're likely to discover it after you get home, and then you, you won't feel so good about the deal that, that, that you got, right? So you have to understand, like, why is this? Uh, so if, uh, if you're selling something, it's fair. It's a fair price for what it is. But you didn't tell the guy that there's a mum in it, so the Sma writes that, that, uh, that, that that's us. So you're not allowed to, uh, to do that. The Divrei Chamudos in Parakir Anasha, paid, is all quoted by the Pisre Choshen, says that even if there's no one at all, it's a problem because it's Gnevis Das. Meaning you think the person thinks he's getting something that's unblemished, he's getting something that's blemished. That doesn't really apply for us because over here it's not a blemished product. It's a different product. Product. So Pischichoshen suggests that it's it's a machlokas whether selling something with a mum at fair market price is considered is considered onoa at all or just Ganevas das. Now, perhaps more relevant, Shulcharach and Reishlam and Gimel and Choshemishpat discusses the following. I, I tell you, I'm going to sell you a certain type of fruit at a certain price. I give you a different type of fruit that happens to cost the same. Right? I tell you I'm going to sell you, uh, I don't know, red peppers at a certain price. I give you yellow peppers instead, uh, at the, which is uh, the same price. In all the supermarkets, they, uh, they cost the same, the same amount. So Shulchan Aruch Paskins, it's, it's not that the, the lokeach could be chozer, the mocher could be chozer. There's no sale. There's no sale at all. It's, it's, it's totally void. And therefore, either party can say, this is nothing, you know, give it, give it all back. They could be chozer in the entire mekach for sure, because that the sale was for A, and you sold them B. So we say the same thing over here. person was buying apples, and you sold them zucchinis. So if that's what was happening, like the guy asked for apples, and you gave him zucchinis, enochinami. That's not exactly what's happening. The guy's asking for cake, and you gave him cake. He wants cake that has certain ingredients in it, perhaps, but, uh, and you gave him cakes with other ingredients. So the Chorah, that doesn't work either. In fact, though, the Ramah in Reish Lamed writes 
that if the buyer sees the item, if he sees it in advance, then you, he can't claim, oh, I didn't know. Because he saw the item. You told him you're selling him a golden chair, and he looks at it, and it looks like plastic. You know? So if he saw it, he understood that it wasn't gold. He understood that it was uh, plastic. However, Pisgah Choshen points out, that's obviously if it's something that you could tell. You know, you told him you're selling him red peppers and it's yellow peppers. He should be able to tell, the, unless he's colorblind, right? He should know the difference between one and the other. But something that you can't tell, because they mask the, uh, the flavor of the zucchini with apple flavoring, whatever, and I guess the consistency is similar. If you can't be mavchin b'ri'iya b'yalma, you can't, uh, you can't tell, that l'chora might still be a mekachtos. Maybe the, the, the relevant issue is what the Ramah quotes from a Chumash Shumas Sadashan writes that if uh, somebody asks for basar from an ayil masuras, from an animal that's masuras, I guess the, the meat is softer, if it had a cirrus, I don't know, uh, and he gets um, a, from an ayil she'enu masuras, which, oh, the Shumas Sadashan says, and it's enu tov lamachal, it's not as good, it smells more, it's not, it's edible, it's meat. It's the same animal, it, it, it smells a little different, right? So maybe this is a little more similar, right? He's got what he asked for, roughly, but not the same quality. So the Truma Session writes, it's Roy Lachila, so it, it's not a Mekachtaos. If what you gave him is cheaper, you have, to, you have to compensate the difference. But over here, it's not cheaper, it's the same price, Mustama. The apples and the zucchinis are probably roughly the same price. It's just that. Uh, it's 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 just that uh, the uh, the quality is not exactly what he expected, so not a mekachtos at all. So I am not sure how to understand that. You know, why is that different than you know machar becheskel shein yafos finum two rows that he he bought it with the understanding that it was going to be good, and it turned out that it was bad. Over here it was no same item, slightly different quality. That's okay. That's a perfectly good mekach. Where exactly we draw the line is not so clear. So the Nesivas writes that where we draw the line is if near the Beisdin shame bezek pay the kolkach. If the Beisdin's assessment is people aren't so mocked about this, so that's it. So then it's fine. Then there's no problem if people aren't so mocked about this. So l'chora, l'chora, one could argue that you go to a bakery, you have no idea what the ingredients are when you go to a bakery. They're not obligated to list their ingredients. They don't have to, you know, when you sell something commercially packaged in, uh, you know, in supermarkets. So there must be laws about this because they always list the ingredients, right? There are laws about that. You have to say what's in the product. In a bakery, you know, or a local bakery, there's no such requirement, no such, uh, no such obligation. So one could argue that it's not Gnevis Das at all. You have no, you have no idea what's, what's, what's in it. Uh, in addition to that, we live in somewhat of an Alma de Shikra, um, where what something is called doesn't always conform to what something is. Right? So th- there are certain regulations. I remember when the Trader Joe's chocolate chips went from Pariv to Dairy, so all the Heimische brands had to start producing... Um, power of chocolate chips but the way that some of the Heimischer brands produce chocolate chips they weren't legally allowed to call it chocolate they had to call them chocolate flavored chips so they have chocolate in big letters and then flavored in little letters and chips in big letters so because that's it, it wasn't actually there was so little actual chocolate in it that they couldn't call it. but a lot of times you'll have something you'll have um, what do they used to call those things those little 
I don't know if, if Entenmann's made them. They were like these little, they called them like fruit cakes or fruit pies. or like, and, the, and the filling was supposedly the fruit, but like you never ever saw a fruit or resembled a fruit. or was any, but, but they call it a fruit pie because it's, it, it tastes more like a fruit than it does like the rest of the pie. But that's about it. That's about as close to a fruit as it. But that's okay. That's the, that's the world we live in. So people call something an apple cake. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's, uh, that it's an apple cake. I was once at a, at a meal, Shabbos meal. We had, we had company. My wife told me the following conversation happened in the kitchen as uh, the women uh, were uh, schmoozing and getting ready to serve whatever, uh, whatever uh, kugel it was. I don't know whether it was a carrot kugel, a, uh, what's the other thing that's orange? A, uh, a squash kugel, a uh, zucchini, I don't know, whatever it was. Sweet potato kugel, right. It was, uh, those are the options. Carrot, squash, sweet potato. So three women in the kitchen. One of them says, oh, my husband won't eat it if you call it a carrot kugel. And the other one said, my husband won't eat it if you call it a squash kugel. My husband won't eat it if you call it a sweet potato. So each one told their husband, you know, oh, don't worry, you can eat it. It's uh, this. They told them three different things. And, uh, and, we, and we all ate it, and we all enjoyed very much. It was all, it was delicious for everybody. Yes, to, to this day, I have no idea what it actually was. But everyone enjoyed, because you don't have to, these things, these things you don't have to know. Now, um, Rabbi Schwartz, Rabbi Dr. Schwartz, told me that he, uh, that, he, that, he that he had someone ask the Shaila to a couple of uh, Rabbanim in Eretz Yisrael. So someone asked Rav Nevensal, and Rav Nevensal said, "What the bakery is doing is absolutely forbidden. They're not allowed to do it. They're fooling these buyers." But who says it's the workers' achrayis? Meaning, it's, okay, so the owner of the bakery's got a problem. He's doing something terrible. He's doing something not right. Then he said they also asked Rav Yaakov Ariel from uh, Ramat Gan, and uh, he said that the the rule with these halachas is whatever normal policy and conduct of a given location is, you know, in, in a given place, that's what people do. We live in an Alma de Shikra. Everything is a lie. Uh, there's a lot of food that we eat that is not what it's represented to be. And uh, you know, he says you, you buy tomato sauce. You don't know how much of it, how many tomatoes are actually in the sauce. You buy apple flavored drinks, orange flavored drinks. How many apples? How many oranges are actually in it? If any, a lot of times you buy. Forget about apple drinks. Apple drinks very often. You'll you'll buy uh, drinks that are like pomegranate or whatever more exotic juice, and it's all apple juice with a little bit of uh, pomegranate flavor or something like that. Uh, pomegranates are very expensive, so they're not uh, they're not squeezing so many pomegranates. And they they quote because that's the flavoring of the juice. If you read. The ingredients. That's the way it is. That's just the alma de shikra. Um, you know, Rav R- 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 Yaakov Ariel suggested if you want real raspberry juice, go to the Golan and squeeze berries. Otherwise, you're not getting real raspberry juice. You know, that's that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. Uh, and if you do that, if you go to the Golan and squeeze berries, it will cost you hundreds of shekels in order to uh, to get a cup of real raspberry juice because it's obviously these things are expensive. So they always substitute. Um, cheaper ingredients. So he thought that most people expect when they buy that there's a possibility that there are few or no apples in their apple cake. So whatever he calls it, it's not a, not a problem. Uh, on the other hand, if he writes explicitly, if the bakery writes, made with fresh apples, so that would be a real problem. Meaning to, to just call it apple cake, okay, that's no big deal. But to, with, made with fresh apples, to falsely advertise might be a, uh, a problem. Um, now, it's, it, it should also probably be noted that it's, it's not even a downgrade in, in, in quality in any sense. I mean, there's no reason that a person should be, I can't think of any reason why a person would be mocked about, you know, having apples as opposed to zucchini. The, the reason he wouldn't buy it is because he would assume it tastes worse. 
is, is there such a thing as a zucchini allergy? So I googled this. <laughs> is it, is, there was a study done where someone thinks they found four, four people on Earth that have mild allergy to zucchini, but 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 the if, generally speaking, if a person has allergy to zucchini, whatever that what is it called? I wrote it down here somewhere. It's a Right, you'd be allergic to the apples also. What kind of allergy is it? I can't find it in my notes here. What? No, I don't think it's for the pesticides. Oh, salad. I can't pronounce it. Salicylate, salicylate. I don't know. Some, some. Anyway, you'd be allergic to essentially every fruit and vegetable. So such people don't buy apple cakes at, you know. So elamai. They're getting something healthier than they think they're getting. A zucchini is not as little healthier than an apple, less natural sugars than an apple. So they're getting something a little healthier than they think they're getting. It's just they wouldn't buy it because it sounds gross to them. But when, once they taste it, they don't know the difference. I don't know if, uh, you know what, they say, uh, my nutritionist told me I need to have two servings of fruits every day. So I'm relying on the apple cake for one of my servings of fruit. You need a new nutritionist if they're letting you eat the apple cake as you're serving a fruit. I, I, I don't know what the, uh, what the downside would be. So I don't think uh, there's any issue with the employee for sure. The bakery, okay, you want to argue. I don't think there's really much of an employee. This is what our moms do to us all the time. You know, <laughs> They tell us there's one thing in there and there's something else in there. And that way they get us to eat it. I don't think, uh, for years I thought my mother's fish was chicken because <laughs> I wouldn't eat it if, uh, if I knew that it, was, uh, that, that it was fish. Okay, you know, uh, all right, this chicken is very fishy, you know. But uh, okay. <laughs> um, so, so that's that's the way these things work sometimes. Okay, so that's that is Shaila number one. Let's let's hit another one. Which one do we want to do? Do we want to do the? There's many difference if like when you, when you buy an apple cake from a bakery, I, I assume most people would assume it's an actual apple cake, like like a banana taffy. Like you know, there's no bananas. When you buy an apple cake at a bakery... <laughs> right, so uh, that's what I'm saying. There's that there's room to argue. There's room to argue about that. Is that the reasonable expectation? Maybe, yeah, maybe no. So that's where Nevinsal and uh, Rav uh, Yaakov Ariel, they disagree about that issue. But there's room to argue. But you're right. You know, a banana taffy, you know, is not... Uh, you know, am I getting my daily re- recommended value of, you know, the serving of bananas, you know, when I eat enough banana taffies, right? You probably realize that you're not getting that. Um, okay, so Shiloh number two, Shiloh number zero. Okay, so the the hair transplant thing. What's the, what are the issues? So first of all, elective surgery is always an, an issue. If you want to do surgery that you're choosing to do, that's not for rafua. So that always has to be discussed whether a person is allowed to do elective surgery, right? And then with that, I mean, is allowed to do something that will affect the. If it's, if within that, if oh, so you're going to be mevatel, potentially be mevatel the mitzvah of tefillin. So are you? Ah, uh, mitzvah of tefillin is an essay. Oh, okay, good. So you want to wait till when? Ah, so erev yantiv. Can you have surgery on erev shabbos yantiv? Can you schedule a surgery on erev shabbos yantiv? So that's another issue to discuss. Is a man allowed to do hair plugs? Is a man allowed to do cosmetic surgery? Why would it be different for a man than for a woman? Begadi, right? It could be a violation of Le Yilbash. So, so a lot of issues. Can anyone do cosmetic surgery? 
can a man do cosmetic surgery? Can you do a surgery in Erev Yantiv? What about the tefillin issue, right? Uh, to what extent do you have to be concerned about your failure to do uh, a mitzvah say, being able to, to miss tefillin? So all of these things have to be, uh, have to be uh, fleshed out fleshed out a little bit. So first of all, the mitzvahs of hair transplantation, uh, just what is it? What do they do exactly? You know what they do? They implant the roots. So yeah, what they do is they, they, they uh, according to Wikipedia, um, <laughs> I, I teach you no Torah, I just Google for you. So hair transplantation is a surgical technique that removes hair follicles from one part of the body called the donor site to a bald or balding part of the body known as the recipient site. Technique is uh, used to treat male pattern baldness. Uh, so what do they do? They normally take from like parts of the head where the uh, they the, the, you know keep it within the head. They'll take skin from parts of the head that will always grow hair. Sometimes people bald on the top but not on the sides, and move the you know move the, that skin to the top of the head, and uh, that way it will uh, it will grow. So that's the the basic that's the basic idea. Um, so cosmetic surgery, the, uh, there are several shitos in the postcard, more than two. You would think that there would be two, right? Asr Mutter. There's several shitos in the postcard about getting cosmetic surgery in general. What are the issues? Let's just stop. A woman wants to get a nose job. What are the issues? What? Right. She's putting herself in sakana, some level of sakana by, by getting surgery, meaning uh, most postkin hold that you bench gomel after you get surgery with general anesthesia because they assume that there's some level of, uh, of, of sakana involved. Now, what exactly is the level of sakana when a person gets their tonsils out, when a person gets, uh, you know, uh, some surgery with general anesthesia? It's minimal. It's very, very, very minimal level of sakana. But we, we, it's, it's something. And, you know, when they warn you before surgery of all the potential things, all the legal things that they have to warn you about, one thing they'll always warn you is there is the potential of death, you know, that they, they, they do. But it's a very, very minimal uh, potential of death. So you do have to worry. We, we have to at least discuss, is there a sakana? issue. What else? Oh, okay. Meaning, well, so we have to discuss what level of sakana is acceptable. Is acceptable to put yourself into, right? Driving cars is also <laughs> sakana. What else, though? What else? Why, a woman wants to get a nose job. What? You're not allowed to draw blood on purpose. Okay, is it a violation of chavala, right? That a person is not allowed to wound themselves or somebody else. So are you in violation of chavala? Those are the two major issues. Then there's a the third hashkafic issue that some of the posts can deal with. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made you a certain way, and you say, nice try, God, but, you know, I think we could fix this. I think we can do better. So that's a hashkafic issue of messing with the Bria, similar to the Yisra of Klayim, right, to, 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 to mix different uh, Zra'im, to make, uh, to make uh, different uh, newfangled uh, fruits. So you, like the Sefer Achinuch points out that that's a violation of, like, you're telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, nice try, but I think I could do better. So there are several poskim, you know, in, from the 20th century that dealt with this issue when this became an issue. Rav Moshe has a tshuva about a woman, uh, a young lady who was going to have trouble with shiduchim, she felt, unless she has cosmetic surgery. This is in Chosh Mishmach Beis, Simen Samach And Rav Moshe starts off with the Chavala issue. And he says it's not Chavala. Chavala, the Rambam writes, in Hilchus Chavala Mazik, Perak Hay, is uh, two girsos in the Rambam, either when one is Chavala B'chavera, Derech Bizayon, or Derech Nitzayon, meaning in a degrading manner, or in a combative or belligerent manner. 
that only in such a way is it chavala. But not any, you can't say any time someone has any sort of small injury that that's called chavala. And Rav Moshe therefore says, if you're doing it for a beneficial purpose, like am I allowed to give blood? I'm donating blood. It's going to be a little, uh, I'm going to need a Band-Aid, you know, and I'm going to have to eat a lot of Entenmann's donuts and drink a lot of orange juice. I remember in uh, DRS, by the blood drive, like a guy, a kid gave blood at lunchtime, that's it. He was out for a week, you know. He uh, <laughs> had to eat Entenmann's and drink orange juice for the next week to recover. So it's got, am I allowed to be chovel in, in, in my, myself that way? That's, uh, it's not combative, it's not belligerent, it's not, right? That's Mutra. Moshe has four rayas for this. You don't have to love all the rayas, but he has four rayas. He has a raya from a Gemara Baba Kavit of Sadiel. The Gemara tells us that when Avchista was walking home from the basement, from work, actually, he would, uh, he would pick up his clothing when he walked through the thorns. So that the thorns would cut his legs and not cut his clothing. Because the clothing will not mend itself. But his legs will mend themselves. You know, they'll fix themselves over time. The skin will heal. How is he allowed to do that? That he's going to allow himself to get cut? He's going to allow his skin to get cut? Apparently you're allowed to do that. It wasn't Derech Mitzayon. It wasn't Derech Bizayon. That's Raya number one. Raya number two, he brings from the Navi. Malachim Aleph, Perichaf. The Gemara Sanhedrin elaborates on this in Daf Peites and Sanhedrin. Of uh, the person who didn't want to... The, the Navi Micha had instructions from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he needed to appear wounded in order to, uh, to deliver a certain message to the Melech Achav, and a, a guy was supposed to go and wound him. And then Micha said, that's what you're supposed to do. You gotta, and, the, and the guy refused. He refused to do it. And he, apparently he did the wrong thing. So apparently, since it wasn't Derek Nitzayin, Derek Nitzayin, he was allowed to do it. That's Raya number two. You, you like that Raya? Not a good Raya? Yes, a good Raya? Huh? Not didn't want to get it. He didn't want to hurt Micha. Oh. It's a nevuah. <laughs> that doesn't tell you anything. A nevuah, of course it could suspend the... the okay, but that's Ramesha's right. Third right, Ramesha has Sanhedrin daf pei dalvin, that a person is allowed to bloodlet for uh, for his father, because whatever you would want done for you, you do for somebody else. So apparently, you're allowed to do that for yourself also. You're allowed to bloodlet for yourself because it's to your benefit. It's not to your detriment to uh, to do that. He has a fourth raya from Sugyim Bechoros, talks about if a person has six fingers, so you can cut it, cut off one of his fingers so you could be normal, so you know you can have a normal number of fingers like everybody else. And uh, the Mishnah, when it talks about that, it just talks about whether it's, uh, it's considered to be Mechusrev or Balmum, it doesn't say Apopishen or Rashai, even though he's not allowed to. Ah, it's tough to make a deal like that. But Rav Mesh says, no, but you've got to look at the other Mishnayis uh, in, in Bechoros, where the Mishnayis mention a person sells his cow to a, to a guy, and it says, Because Mechir is paying Magasa to another Chav in Mizasar, so it says, So why doesn't it say that by cutting off an extra limb? Must be its mutter to cut off an extra limb. Says Rav Mesh, you see that uh, anything that's, uh, that's, that's not Derek Mitzayin, Derek Bizayon, is, uh, is mutter. Now, Rav Moshe was dealing with a specific case of a girl who wasn't going to be able to find a shidduch. Uh, would the same apply to a guy who's just aging like normal people age uh, and, you know, and, and can't deal with the fact that, he, that he's going bald? I, I have to, when, when I get a haircut, uh, the, the, the barbers like, don't understand me. I'm like, 
just cut it short. I don't mind that I'm bald. I'm okay. I'm married. My children are okay with the fact that I'm bald. My wife is okay with that. It's fine. And they're like, no, you got to do it this way. And that. No, that's not, I'm not interested. They don't get that. Like, they can't, you can't imagine that. They can't, that, that we, we're so uh, into how we look and our appearance and whatever, you know? So it's, uh, uh, would Ramesh say the same thing? Just a guy who can't, can't deal with the fact that, he, that he's getting older? That he just can't come to, to grips with that fact? I don't know if Ramesha would be so willing to be, make him. In fact, I have a strong indication that he wouldn't be so willing to be, uh, to be make him. Um, Rav Breish in Chalkas Yaakov in Chashmishpat Simulamad Aleph also discusses this issue. Ultimately, I can get into all of his uh, uh, discussion, but he, he also brings up the Sakana issue. And he says, you know, if, if general society does not view this as a sakana, it's more like Shamar Psayim Hashem thing. You know, we define sakana, I think we mentioned this recently, not so much by statistics alone. You know, because uh, statistically, like we said, getting into a car is a bigger sakana than uh, doing a lot of things, that, than, than skydiving. Uh, if you ever go skydiving, I don't recommend it, but if you ever do it, uh, the, the, the instructor will tell you, you know, statistically, this is less dangerous than driving your car to work in the morning. Um, yeah, but you're jumping out of a plane. I mean, like, so most people would view that as dangerous and would not view driving a car to work in the morning as, 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 as something that's sakana. So it may very well depend on, that's, that's what the sugi in, 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 in Yavamis Davayim Beis, it may very well depend on what people consider to be, uh, to be dangerous. So Breish says that if the person is going to suffer, if the person is going to suffer either physically, he has a raya from Taisus and Shabbos and Dafnun, where Taisus and Shabbos writes that if, if he's embarrassed to walk in public, that's considered like physical pain. So emotional distress, a person is embarrassed to walk in public that way. So that also would be enough reason to be making with, uh, with, with um, cosmetic surgery. Tzitz Eliezer is strongly opposed to any form of cosmetic surgery. Tzitz Eliezer, Chelkir Aleph, Simon Mem Aleph, says, what are you messing with Hashem's creations? You know, the Gemara in Tainus and Afchaf, the Gemara tells us Rabbi Lezer and Shimon met a very ugly man, and Rabbi Lezer asked the guy, are all the people from your town as ugly as you? You know, I guess, you know, the kind of question that just slips, oh my gosh, what did I just say? And the man says, uh, you know, you should know, uh, you should, why don't you complain to my creator and tell him what, uh, what ugly vessels he's making, what ugly utensils he's making. So Rabbi Lezer felt bad, he wanted to get mechila from him, you don't complain about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes things. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes his world the way he makes his world. And Sitz Eliezer was very, very much opposed to this. So that a person had a, a that's, had, had something that's clearly an unusual, meaning post can distinguish between treating something that's clearly unusual versus you look like a normal person. So you don't look like the supermodel. You don't look like the... You look like a regular person, but a person with six fingers has it's, it's, it's a deformity. It's something that's that's wrong with it. So to treat something, that's another important issue. The post can discuss that nitan rishus lerofe lerapos. That many understand that that you're only allowed to do rufua if it's for a rufua. But if you're not sick and there's nothing wrong with you, that it could be that there's no heter for rufua. That's what Ramesha writes that in a different context. What does Ramesha talk about? I think with the IVs. Ramesha talks about people who are sick getting IV so they could fast. So you don't have to do that. Don't fast. If you're too sick, so you don't fast. You don't get IV so that you can fast. He says IV is a medical procedure, and you're only allowed to do that 
if it's to treat a medical a medical issue. But if it's not to treat a medical issue, you're not allowed to do medical procedures. Uh, you know, in, in Brooklyn, there was a story in one of the newspapers, I think the New York Times a couple of years ago, about like before Tisha B'Av, how the, like in the basement of some shul in Borough Park, they had set up like a massive IV, uh, you know, where everyone was getting fluids, you know, uh, uh, on the fast day to make it easy to get through the fast day. Not stop people couldn't make it, people who could make it, but, you know, it's much easier to get through hydrated than it is to get through dehydrated. So, uh, so uh, you know, you don't do that. That's not, uh, that's, that's not, not appropriate. Um, at all. So uh, that's in, in, just in terms of anyone getting cosmetic surgery. Ramesha, R- in, in a different context, talks about dying hair. And he says, uh, you know, based on the Shulchan Aruch, if a person, man dyes his hair, that that's, uh, you know, from white to, to black, that, that's a violation of the English government if he's doing it for beautification. Uh, Post can point out, if he's doing it because he's prematurely gray. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a friend who was. Uh, who had turned gray as a, as a 14-year-old. So a person is prematurely gray as a 14-year-old. He doesn't want to look like a 40-year-old. So that's fair. So Shlomo Zalman said that he's allowed to do. So it could be that a person who is just purely for vain reasons, uh, that that's a violation of uh, the mitzvah of tefillin he's going to be missing out on um, is a mitzvah to do, it's a mitzvah to do every single day. Is a bira lachin, similam zayin, discusses for something of the primagadim, is it a mitzvah to do all day or a mitzvah to do once a day? But it's a mitzvah to do every single day. What happens if you miss out on the mitzvah of tefillin? So there, you know, I have a piece in my sefer in Konalama and Simon Yud about a person who discovered later in life that their tefillin have always been possible. They got their tefillin checked. And they said, so what do you do to make up for that? Let's say a person's going to have to miss. This guy's not asking Shiley. He's going to miss four days of tefillin. What do I do now? How do I make up for it? So there are suggestions. Rav Shechter suggests, uh, Rav Ashwai to, to wear tefillin longer. You know, go to, instead of going to a minion that finishes chakras every day in uh, 22 minutes, go to a minion that finishes chakras every day in 35 minutes. You know, and that way you'll make up for the lost time of uh, wearing tefillin. Okay, there are other suggestions by other, uh, by other poskim. You know, there were Gedola Yisrael, they used to, in the days following Pesach and Sukkot, would keep their tefillin on for longer because they missed all the Cholomoe days. So they would, uh, they, would, they, would, they would compensate with that. But there's a broader issue over here. So the simple answer, right away, as soon as Rabbi Hertz mentioned the Shaila, do it Erev Yantif. Why not, right? Someone mentioned over here, do it Erev Yantif. So there's a, an, an issue with that as well. So the, the, the Mishnah tells us a person is not allowed to go on a boat on uh, Erev Shabbos or Erev Yantif or even at the end of the week uh, for two reasons. One is that uh, you're going to be out of sorts and you're going to be feeling ill and it's going to ruin your own Shabbos. And the other is that, um, that, that uh, if you undergo an operation... Um, or you, 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 it's likely gonna be, there's likely going to be a need for Chil Shabbos for you. So both of those concerns uh, apply to an operation that uh, it's going to ruin your Arnak Shabbos in the immediate aftermath of having surgery. It's not so gishmak. You don't feel so great. And uh, so it's going to ruin your Arnak Shabbos. Plus, there's a much higher likelihood someone's going to have to be Mechal Shabbos for you. So you try to avoid that. So Shlomo Zalman is uh, in Shulchan Shlomo uh, and Shmir Shabbos Kilch says, "Quoted, don't get um, um, uh, what you uh, what do you call it uh, uh, optional surgery. 
uh, elective uh, surgery, don't get that, don't schedule it for the end of the week. In fact, Ravadi Yosef even discusses a C-section. A woman is pregnant, they, they schedule a C-section because for whatever reason she can't deliver naturally. So he says also, don't schedule it for the end of the week. But in that case, there's a little difference. Uh, try to delay it for the beginning of the next week. If you can't, is it better to do it earlier that week or just do it close to Shabbos? It says in that case, better do it close to Shabbos than to push it earlier. Because every day that the baby is in the womb is beneficial for the development of the baby. So you don't want to push it earlier than you, uh, than you have to. But elective surgeries in general should not be done at the end of the week. That's how Rosham Azam passed it. So it is a problem, Lechora, to, uh, to schedule it for the end of the, for the, end of the week. Uh, the, the, um, so, so Rabbi Hertz told me that he asked Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein, he was just in Eretz Yisrael, he said he asked Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein, Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein said, do it on the first day of Cholomoed. So it's not going to be early in the week, do it on the first day of Cholomoed, non-Jewish doctor. And that way he won't miss any Tefillin days, assuming he's been because he doesn't wear Tefillin on Cholomoed. He said that someone asked Rav David Feinstein, Rav David Feinstein said, it's absolutely forbidden, this man should not get this surgery. Tefillin, no Tefillin, he shouldn't get the surgery. Mistama, we now have a resolution. What would Rav Moshe say? Uh, you know, if it were a case of not a woman who's not going to find a shidduch, but a man who can't come to grips with the fact that he's getting a little bit older and that, uh, and that, and that he's balding a little bit. So David was, was, was very, very much opposed to getting the surgery. Elective medical surgery. I mean, here it's an elective cosmetic surgery. But if the doctor does surgeries on... Like oh, right, then, of course. Then, then yeah, so in general, if it's a medical need, then uh, you have, it's, it's, a, it's an entirely different story. Okay, have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody. Enjoy the... Uh, in Shabbos, I guess. <laughs>